Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, instead of having a Clark Rageous moment today, I want to do sizzling deals because today is the last day historically for good deals leading up to Christmas. And as a general rule, things get more expensive from here. So I'm going to fill you in with some deals that may help you stretch your wallet, buying for others, or just, well, having fun buying for yourself. And I have new information for you that in one way is more comforting and in another way upsetting. How much is your personal information worth to crooks? And what's the valuable information they're looking for? And what don't they care about so much anymore? I'll fill you in so you know how to protect yourself the best way possible. So I get a fair number of calls every year during this time period from people who either are self-employed or more often the calls I get this time of year from people who work for someone else and they have a high deductible health insurance plan where they're working. And with that plan, you have the eligibility for the HSA. The HSA is a health savings account. So first you have to have a high deductible health plan that because of the coverages it offers, it becomes HSA eligible. And then you're able to put money into a tax-free account that is the coolest thing for health care. You put money in that's pre-tax, but then you can spend the money tax-free, and it can grow tax-free through the years, the money you don't use each year. It's one of the most underappreciated, great tax benefits that exists. So the problem that I've had with the questions I've had all through the years is that the market for these HSAs has been rather narrow, rather limited, and a lot of the providers of the savings accounts charge, I mean, absolutely exorbitant fees both for administering it and then for the investments you have inside the HSA. Now, what I'm about to tell you is especially important for people who are entrepreneurs or self-employed, and right now you have done the best you could to make a choice of an HSA. Fidelity Investments has now launched a no-cost HSA plan. And you have access to ultra-inexpensive funds to put your money in. Now, this is, as I said, ultra-important for entrepreneurs and self-employed who have an HSA. Because, as you may be aware, an HSA is of greatest value to anyone who can put money in but not touch the money for current deductible bills. You know, the bills you have to pay out of your own pocket before you get to the coverage. If you're in a position as an entrepreneur or a business owner to go ahead and 
fund an HSA and invest the money because you're not going to use it in this year or future years till way down the road, the tax benefit is gigantic to you. The It's almost like uh, another retirement plan for you, and the benefits of it are extreme, but there's been a real drag on these plans with the massive ripoff fees in most HSAs. Now that a huge financial house, Fidelity, is in the business and slicing all those fees away, this is a great choice for you. Now, here's the annex for you if you're working for the man. That's an expression. Could be working for a woman. Anyway, it's decided for you that you're going to have one of these plans. Your employer may put, if they contribute some money for your deductibles into the HSA, they'll typically have picked the HSA, and 99% of the time it'll be a crummy high-fee HSA. Not by evil intent on their part, because they suffer too from it. They just don't know how to buy these things. You can put in more money up to the max each year in a mirror second HSA, and that's where I would recommend strongly you open one at Fidelity. So this is fantastic because through the years, I've had abysmal choices to give you as options. Now, I want to mention a quick reminder. As I told you last week, we're moving towards the tail end of enrollment on the Obamacare exchanges for individuals buying your own health care coverage. And the deadline is this Saturday. So if you have not purchased a health care plan for next year, go to healthcare.gov, look at the choices available. And this is especially important if you are eligible for a subsidy based on income and family size. You want to buy on the exchange and the plans, this is the last year it looks like, that any plan you would see on the exchange will be fully compliant, meaning that pre-existing conditions will be covered and also that any, uh, pretty much any illness you have will be covered after your deductibles and co-pays. Starting next year's enrollment, that's likely not to be true. It's going to be much more difficult to figure out what are the best plans when we look at open enrollment next fall. Gene joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gene. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Gene. You got a question for me that I'm quite curious about. Well, I get these uh, emails from different brokers and things, you know, trying to sell services. I've been noticing a lot here lately that I think the, the date is December the 18th that there seems to be something brewing where the government, the federal government, will make money, large bills, especially hundreds and fifties, obsolete. That they just won't be worth anything. I haven't seen that anywhere, but um, there's no, if that is coming eventually, there's no conspiracy about that. It's just that the use of cash has declined so dramatically in our economy in the last couple of years that uh, used to be very common 
that we paid so many things by cash. I had the stats recently, if I remember, going by memory, so I hope this is right, 7% of transactions now involve cash in the United States. That's not very high. No, and, and you know we're really behind much of the rest of the developed world. There are a number of countries now that the use of cash in purchase transactions is down to 1% of transactions. Huh. So, okay, now, will cash be illegal to use? Say that, that again? That happens? Will cash be illegal to use? No, 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 no. Um, you know, the marketplace will ultimately decide the role of cash. The thing that I've noticed, and this is true in urban centers and not in rural areas, but in a lot of urban areas now, a huge number of businesses no longer take cash. Really? And the reason they don't is it's been one of the things that has cut down so much on robberies of businesses. Mm. Because if a business doesn't have any cash in the till, what's a criminal going to get by doing an armed robbery? Exactly. So a a lot of businesses are choosing to pay the uh, high merchant fees they have to pay just to eliminate the risk to their employees of having somebody come in and say, stick them up, this is a robbery. Right. So you don't see any problem that the government just cuts it off anytime soon? No, nothing like that's going to happen. You know, if, if, if Even if the feds at some point said, you know, nobody's really carrying hundreds or fifties anymore, if they did say that, it wouldn't mean that money in circulation suddenly would become worthless, and anybody saying anything like that is being irresponsible and lying. What has happened in the past when governments have stopped printing a particular size of money, like uh, let's say the $100 bill, is you're given a period of time, usually two years, to convert that into let's say 20s become the largest currency. But I don't know of anything like this even being seriously discussed right now, but I think it's inevitable that we won't have these large bills anymore so don't fret don't worry and somebody trying to terrify you just put that email in the place it belongs and that's the circular file chris is with us on the clark howard show hi chris hey clark how are you great thank you chris how can i be of service to you well, um, I guess I need some guidance. My wife and I are going to be selling uh, our home, and we're just interested, I guess, in finding out how do we find a good real estate agent? What are some of the, I guess, um, hints or guide, guidelines that you could kind of you know, let us know? All right, so I've got a couple of rules, and then I've got a lot more on Clark.com. But the first thing is I want you to drive around your extended neighborhood. And there will be, usually in most uh, areas, there will be three agents, or at most four, that have the overwhelming percent of listings in your area. And those are the agents that do what they call in real estate farm your part of town or your neighborhood or neighborhoods adjacent. They, they've been in so many of the houses in the neighborhood. They know the square footage of various houses. They know the goods and the bads of the houses and the neighborhoods. 
They're the ones that are knowledgeable and know how to market homes in your neighborhood. So when you figure out who those three or four are, then, Chris, I want you to have them come in and interview them and ask them how they would plan to market your house. Don't ask any of them what price they would recommend you list your home for because that's only an after-the-fact discussion based on who you feel you have the best understanding with, the best connection with, and who seems to be the level of knowledge you're comfortable with having your listing. Do you know why you never ask them when you're interviewing them what they think your house should list for? I can guess, but I'm, I'm curious on, on what your explanation is or your answer. All right, so the deal is that human nature, being it as it is, if one of the three or four people you interview says, oh, I can get for you for your house, blah, 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 and somebody else says, blah, 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 minus 20,000, we tend to go with whoever gives the highest figure, and that's not how you choose an agent. Because they know okay. a lot of people will choose them for a listing based on overinflating an estimate of selling price. And what's so funny with those people is they'll have the house listed for a few weeks and say, yeah, I keep hearing from other agents, you've priced it too high. <laughs> and then they'll get you to cut the price. And you end up with less money, ultimately, if a home is overpriced up front, rather than being priced right from the beginning, because you lose a lot of people in those first couple of weeks. But I have a lot more tips about how you go about hiring an agent at Clark.com. But finding out who those qualified agents are in your area, absolutely top. And second, that personal connection that you develop through that interview, you'll see the right person to hire, almost certainly. Normally now you would hear a Clark Rageous moment, but since it's Green Monday, we got to talk. Sizzling deals. Green Monday is another manufactured uh, fake holiday as we lead up to Christmas, but it's a significant day because this is the bookend on when you're going to find the best deals through the Christmas shopping season, except on manufacturer retail fails that will be heavily discounted leading up to Christmas Eve. So this is an important day for online shopping, important day for in-store shopping, because from this point forward, we're in the phase where you have the reluctant shoppers. But I digress, because I want to tell you, there are a bunch of deals you should be looking for today. For example, Walmart has a huge number of items on sale today in conjunction with Green Monday, including Samsung tablets for $69 and $99. And gosh, they have a 10-inch tablet for $99. That is so cheap. A lot of TVs, a lot of smaller electronics items and personal items. The biggest sale items today, though, are clothing items, which are available at dozens of retailers. We have a, a list of a lot of them on ClarkDeals.com. Amazon has a today-only deal on one of those wireless mesh systems you may have heard me talk about that blanket your home with an identical internet signal to every corner of your house. These things, if you go back two years ago, these things were cost prohibitive. Last Christmas, very pricey. Amazon has 
a brand called the Tenda today, whoever they are, but it gets great reviews, T-N-D-A, for a three-pod mesh system that will cover uh, larger than the average house for $129, which is a great deal, again, today only. And have you heard about the Panera deal? A lot of people having uh, technical problems with Panera on it, but if you sign up for the Panera app, you get a free bagel a day for the rest of December. So how about that? And Panera is pretty good if you go in and say, hey, it didn't load. I doubt that anybody would say, well, we're not going to give you your free bagel. You'll be able to get it. ton of food deals today as well. We have a long list of those at ClarkDeals.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So we have had so many data breaches that have occurred, and there's a lot of new data coming out as a result in the last couple of weeks since the massive, incredible data breach from Marriott that the estimate is 500 million people's information around the world has been leaked to criminals. You know, it's classic supply and demand. So many breaches, so many layers of our personal information are out there. But most of all, because of the Equifax data breach, the worst in modern history, that the value of our information to criminals is going down, down, down. Okay, this is crazy. Because you think about Equifax with the massive amount of information, 155 million American adults. I'm trying to remember the last number we had because it kept changing. But anyway, it's uh, two out of three American adults. Deep level personal information out in the marketplace has driven, according to data published today in the Wall Street Journal, the value of your social security number on the black market is down to a nickel. (laughs) I mean, think about that. Criminals having your social security number, that used to be the key to the kingdom. And they would pay so much money for it, but now they are so out there in the hands of so many people that the sellers don't have enough buyers and the price is down to a nickel. So let's say you're a hoodlum and you want somebody's social security number, somebody specific. What does that do to drive up the value of your social security number? Three bucks. Only three dollars when somebody's specifically targeting you. Your medical records, five bucks. Your credit card number, seven to 11 bucks. Your complete credit report. Ooh, now we're getting into serious territory. But nothing like these things used to be worth a hundred dollars. But it all pales compared to the value to a criminal who is able to get your username and password 
to your bank account, if you don't have much money at all, you're still worth $270 to a criminal to be able to hijack your account. But if you have a significant balance, let's say 15 grand or so, your username and password sells for $1,100. $1,100. So I want you to think this through with me. Your social security number that used to be so intensely valuable is, thanks to our buddies at Equifax, is now worth five cents. I ask you, what can you go buy anywhere for a nickel? You can't even buy a piece of bubble gum for a nickel, can you? I don't think so. A nickel. So all the worry we've had about protecting our socials, it's just not that key anymore because it's all out there. So what that says to me, there are two things that are really core to this. First, since you see your credit report is worth 100 bucks, but your SSN is only worth a nickel, the value of freezing your credit file is even far more powerful than I have thought through these years and has become even more so. So you need to freeze that credit report. It's really easy to do. The information's for you at Clark.com. Second, that your username and password for your bank account, they don't even have here what the value is of, of a brokerage account, which would be way more valuable than this. If your username and password to your bank account is worth 1100 to a criminal, that tells you the real vulnerability for you now is somebody getting to your money in a bank. And so if you have just a lame username and password, you need to rethink that. In addition, if you haven't set up two-factor authentication, you need to. And that's where you get, uh, at the most basic level, you get a text message telling you somebody is attempting to access your account and give you a one-time use uh, code that you have to have to get in your account, even if somebody has your username and password. But this would be a case where having a security key would be even more valuable. And if you haven't read that, read uh, my information on security keys at Clark.com that give you a way that even if a criminal has all that information, you have another layer of protection. But if you have a really, really uh, simple username and password on a bank account, you got to address that. And brokerage accounts, if you... This is one of those success uh, tax areas. If you are someone who has a lot of investments or money in retirement accounts or whatever, a lot of the discount brokers now have security keys that they can supply you that you put on a key ring and your account is not accessible without your security key. So even if a criminal breaks the username and password, your money is not going to get eaten up by a crook 
because they won't have the security key to get into it. Talk to, I mean, the biggest two are Fidelity and Schwab. They both offer these security keys, and you should talk to them about having one of those. But I'm just thinking, if your bank account username and password is worth 1100 to a criminal, a typical brokerage account may be worth 50000 100000 on the black market to have that username and password. Because particularly with a brokerage account, you don't have the same legal protections if a criminal runs off with your money, absconds with it, that you do with a regular account. Password managers are great ideas. Well, LastPass and Dashlane are the two most well-known. Diane is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Diane, now that I have terrified you that the criminals are everywhere getting at your stuff, how can I be of help to you? Okay, so Clark, you're um, so informative about everything. I was wondering if you've ever dealt with those home warranty contracts and if there are any good. So I think the home warranties are a very valuable sales tool when you're selling your home. Ah, because but not while you're living in your oh, home? Oh, definitely not while you're living in them because they usually aren't worth the paper they're written on. They, ah. they are, uh, they're pushed very heavily. There's a lot of commissions involved in them. And there's just not any real serious underwriting, meaning that there's no there there if people were really able easily to make claims for things that needed repairing or replacing in their home. I'm very oh, wow. negative on the, obviously, <laughs> on the home warranties okay. because I've had endless complaints from people who've been frustrated trying to use one. Uh, wow. A lot of the companies require that you call only their designated contractors. And those contractors, the calls involving the warranty companies are considered to be junk calls and right. because their reimbursement rate is so teensy tiny from the home warranty companies that it's just not worth their effort and you're the lowest priority call oh, that, wow. will, that will ever go to someone. In, in addition, you think about uh, you looking at one that's like 500 575 a year, somewhere in there. Yes. Okay, so that's typical, the range they're in. So it seems so fantastic because for 500 and something dollars a year, you have complete peace of mind with everything right. in your home. Right? Right. That's the pitch. Okay. Uh, and that's why people buy them. But if when the chips are down, you can't get the warranty company to honor the terms of the contract, mm -hmm. then... Think about every year you putting in money into a, a house maintenance and repair fund. Okay. And you build up your own fund. And then when something breaks in your house, which inevitably everything breaks in a home. Right. That's why they're money pits. We love our money yeah. pits, but that's why they're money pits. Then okay. you've got the money to pay for a repair and you choose who's going to fix it. You choose oh. when it's going to be replaced. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Well, I really appreciate that because I was going to go out and buy one. Well, uh, and by the way, something major breaks in your house the week after you chose not to buy one because of my advice, as somebody said on a Clark Stinks <laughs> once, 
Are you going to pay my bill for replacing my water heater? Uh, I'm not because you know you're you're playing odds through this, right? Yeah, so you can still be mad at me if something like that happens, but but I can tell you the math is compelling that you're best off uh, funding your own repairs rather than having one of these plans. Brian's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brian. Hello, Clark. Clark, how are you? Great, thank you, Brian. How can I be of service to you? Well, I had some free time on my hand recently, so I started doing the rideshare driver, and I was wondering if it would be in my interest to incorporate myself. You know, you're not the first person to ask me that question, but it's a question that I find very interesting. The reason you would become, I guess, an LLC is because you're worried about somebody suing you about something that happens while you're driving for Uber or Lyft? Um... Well, I don't really have much assets, so not really too concerned about that. Uh, but more like, would I be able to uh, maybe set up a retirement through a self-employment or any you can do that rate? anyway. You I you can don't do that need anyway. there, if you are not sitting there with a lot of assets that you're at risk for, then mm-hmm. it's really a waste of your money and effort to okay. set up an LLC. And you can do a retirement account because you're self-employed. You can do something called a SEP, which That's is... That's what I was wondering. Yeah, so... Uh, it, even just being a... Just being, driver, just being you driving for that Uber or Lyft because they're not paying you as an employee. Correct. They're paying you as an independent contractor. So right. you have independent income, and so you are essentially self-employed. And that qualifies you to do that SEP. And you're allowed to put in um, as little as you want to in a year from zero on up to uh, substantial amounts of money if you're really, really profitable driving for Uber or or and Lyft. (laughs) I don't know if I would do it full time, but uh, it's extra income. Yeah, so you can do a side, when you have a side gig like that, you can do a SEP. Uh, it will depend on your personal situation whether you're best off instead of setting up a SEP, just popping money into a Roth IRA. Because mm-hmm. you can do that in any case. Right. And the Roth, you can do up to $6,000 in 2019. So the Roth gives you the situation where you're putting in after tax dollars. They will never be taxed again. The SEP is the opposite. You're putting in before-tax dollars that reduce effectively your net income or proceeds from driving for Uber and Lyft. Okay. Uh, but that would be taxed upon retirement. Exactly. Everything in the account, what you deposit plus everything you earn, ultimately would be taxed in retirement. Right. So okay. that's why... Unless you're earning uh, big money, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, some Uber drivers and Lyft drivers tell me they do. But and different markets too. Yeah. So and time of the day and so forth. So if you were earning a lot and you it was pushing up your tax burden, that's when you might do a SEP. Uh, but otherwise, I would look more at doing the Roth. Perfect. Well, best Thank to you. you. Do you drive for Uber or Lyft or both? 
I had to do both because uh, one of them was a little slower when I started out. I'd just been doing it about three months. And which one do you tend to feel treats you better as a driver? This is a totally unscientific question <laughs> and answer. I mean, I've only been doing the lift for about uh, two or three weeks, but I think I like that one a little more. Uh, the app runs a little smoother, in my opinion. Okay, I appreciate that. There's a lot of difference in opinions. I ask every single driver which they like better and why, and it seems that more and more it seems that I'm hearing from people they do as a driver prefer Lyft. So who knows? It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you go to clark.com and post a question for me, easiestclark.com slash ask. Then you'll either end up here with me on the air asking your question or Joel will ask it for you. All right, Clark Thomas wrote in. He says, on the show, you mentioned a preference for REITs instead of online real estate investment platforms due to the fees that come with them. I'm interested in turnkey rentals, though, due to the regular cash flow from rent. So I was wondering if REITs are still a better option for cash flow goal or if that's even possible with REITs. Yeah, so with REITs, what happens is they are set up to continually return your capital to you with also, um, the income from the properties they manage, hopefully, income. And so a lot of people will use them as an alternative to stocks, as an alternative to owning their own real estate, and they do help you with cash flow. The problem for an individual is picking the right REIT because it's very difficult to know what to pick. One thing you should know don't go in any private REITs. needs to be a publicly traded one, real estate investment trust. But I am a big uh, fan of you investing wider in a fund of REITs that owns many different ones where professional managers figure out the best REITs to be in. Uh, one of the best known is Cohen and Steers Realty. Another is the Vanguard REIT Index, which owns a wide platform of REITs, and it's a way for you not to have to try to bet on the wrong horse in the race to having good, stable income. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.